Rights and Liberties podcast, we are discussing the Federalist Papers. Today we are talking about Federalist 61. We typically begin these podcasts with three big ideas from the Essay Under Review. Here are three big ideas from Federalist 61. Big Idea 1. In Federalist 61, Hamilton addressed a concern that the Constitution does not guarantee that each county will have a polling place for elections to the House of Representatives, by pointing out that not all state constitutions contain such a rule for state elections. Big idea, too. Hamilton saw in the diversity of views and interests in an extensive republic further reason to think that such difficulties as might stem from polling places not being guaranteed in each county would be a more serious problem in state-level government than in the House of Representatives as described in the Constitution. Big idea, three. Hamilton addressed in Federalist 61 the advantages of uniformity across states for the time of voting, that is to say, election day, for the House of Representatives. So, turning to Big Idea 1, Federalist 61 follows in the footsteps of Federalist 59 and Federalist 60, its focus on the Constitution's strictures about the regulation of the conduct of elections. Much depends in Federalist 61 on Hamilton's description of the views of those with whom he argued. We find Hamilton in Federalist 61 characterizing the argument that he would then dispute, quoting Hamilton here, quote, The more candid opposers of the provision respecting elections, contained in the plan of the convention, when pressed in argument, will sometimes concede the propriety of that provision, with this qualification, however, that it ought to have been accomplished with a declaration that all elections should be had in the counties where the electors resided. This, say they, was a necessary precaution against an abuse of the power. End quote. Hamilton's counterargument rested on what he saw as a lesson from the example of the individual states. If states did not address the importance of counties in this regard in their own constitutions, then why should the federal government? Hamilton pointed to state Senate elections in New York, at once his home state, and the state in which Federal 61 was first published as a newspaper editorial, as an example of this phenomenon. Quoting Hamilton here, quote, The Constitution of New York makes no other provision for locality of elections than that the members of the Assembly shall be elected in the counties, those of the Senate, in the great districts into which the state is or may be divided. These at present are four in number, and comprehend each from two to six counties. It may readily be perceived that it would not be more difficult to the legislature of New York to defeat the suffrages of the citizens of New York by confining elections to particular places, than for the legislature of the United States to defeat the suffrages of the citizens of the Union by the like expedient. End quote. In view of this example, Hamilton wondered why the Constitution of the USA should be held to a different standard than the Constitution of New York, quoting Hamilton once again. Quote, Hence it must appear that objections to the particular modification of the federal power of regulating elections will, in substance, apply with equal force to the modification of the like power in the Constitution of this state, and for this reason it would be impossible to acquit the one and to condemn the other. A similar comparison would lead to the same conclusion in respect to the constitutions of most of the other states. End quote. Big Idea 2 follows the logic of this case pointing to the greater size of the USA than the individual states as a further reason to set aside the concerns over voting that animate Federalist 61. 
in part this focused on the federal system itself. Under the Constitution, the states would offer a counterweight to any errors potentially committed by the federal government, but no such counterweight would exist at the level of the states. Furthermore, the logic of an argument made famous especially in Federalist 10 would also be relevant to the case made by opponents of the Constitution. Hamilton suggested that in order to be believed, such opponents, quote, ought to convince us that it is less probable that a predominant faction in a single state should, in order to maintain its superiority, incline to a preference of a particular class of electors, than that a similar spirit should take possession of the representatives of 13 states, spread over a vast region, and in several respects distinguishable from each other by a diversity of local circumstances, prejudices, and interests, end quote. The range of views and interests in an extensive republic would do much, on this account, to inhibit factionalism in this regard. Big Idea 3 points to another aspect of the constitutional regulation of elections, the setting of the date for elections to the House of Representatives. Hamilton saw this as important because regulated dates of election would mean that the House would have a distinct character from election to election. If states elected members on their own individual schedules, as Hamilton saw it, then the character of individual members would be assimilated into the House as a whole. Should the House be corrupt, this would mean that new individual members would be corrupted, one by one, by the spirit of the House. Quoting Hamilton on this point, quote, If an improper spirit of any kind should happen to prevail in it, that spirit would be apt to infuse itself into the new members as they come forward in succession. The mass would be likely to remain nearly the same, assimilating constantly to itself its gradual accretions. There is a contagion in example which few men have sufficient force of mind to resist. I am inclined to think that treble the duration in office, with the condition of a total dissolution of the body at the same time, might be less formidable to liberty than one-third of that duration subject to gradual and successive alterations." End quote. One puzzle relevant to this claim is the extent to which it depends on the effects of the group on the individual being bad effects. If the effects of the group on the individual entering lawmaker were good effects, then presumably the logic of Hamilton's argument would be reversed. However, this would not be the first time in the Federalist Papers that the behavior of groups should be analyzed differently than the behavior of individuals to the disadvantage of groups. We often close these podcasts with a glance at the relevance of the ideas in the essay under examination to politics in the present and future. In addition to the distinction between groups and individuals outlined above, there is a distinction between short tenure in office and longer tenure, or at least this seems to be implicit in Hamilton's case concerning the election of members on a common date, quoting Hamilton once again, quote, I am inclined to think that trebled duration in office with the condition of a total dissolution of the body at the same time, might be less formidable to liberty than one-third of that duration subject to gradual and successive alterations." End quote. I think it is fair to see underneath this claim an assumption that longer terms in office mean greater dangers to liberty. If expertise is necessary to governing, as is addressed in other essays, then an important question is the extent to which expertise necessary to governing can be obtained outside of government. Insofar as service in office leads to expertise in the duties of office, then it seems that tenure in office is correlated with features necessary to good government, even if one takes very seriously the danger implied by this phrase from Hamilton. Thank you for listening to the Rights and Liberties podcast. For more about the Sunwater Institute, 
please visit our website at sunwall.org.